Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Volume. Lakers Tonight is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. You get great odds in markets for the NBA, NHL, college, and so much more. It's America's number one sportsbook. It's super easy to use. Plus, you can combine multiple bets from the same game into a same-game parlay. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code JasonT so they know I sent you. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana, permitted parishes only, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. one 877 8 Hope NY or text Hope NY to 467-369 in New York. In Tennessee Redline, dial 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight, presented by FanDuel here at The Volume. Happy Sunday, everybody. I hope all of you guys are having a great weekend so far. Today, we are beginning the top five players 
in the NBA with number five. You guys know the drill. Before we get started, subscribe to the Volumes YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our content. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT so you guys don't miss any show announcements or any other video content that I produce. And last but not least, if you miss one of these videos in any way, shape, or form and you can't get back over to YouTube to finish them, we do release them on our podcast feed. Uh, feeds in audio form wherever you get your podcasts under hoops tonight. All right. Without any further ado, number five, Luka Doncic. So the way we're going to do these, the last five names in this list, is we're going to split this into five sections. We're going to do strengths and weaknesses. Then we're going to do greatest hopes, essentially the best version of their future. Greatest fears, the worst version of their potential future. And then biggest what if, the biggest moment in their career that could have gone one way or another and been markedly different than what ended up actually happening. So we're going to start, uh, I'll just read out uh, Luca's averages from this past season and then we'll get into his strengths. So in this regular season, he averaged 28, 9, and 9 on 57% true shooting. That's just becoming status quo for Luca. You can just book him for damn near a triple double every single year. In the postseason, he averaged 32, 10, and 6 on 58% true, suit, uh, true shooting. His assist numbers went down a little bit, but a big part of that is the strategy that most teams employed against Luka and the Mavericks, which basically involved uh, staying home on shooters and trying to make Luka into a score. We will get further into that once we uh, get to that point. So let's start with his strengths. So obviously, Luka's greatest strength is versatile scoring. It's the biggest difference, the biggest thing that separates him from a guy like James Harden, who he's commonly compared to, is the fact that he can succeed on so many different spots on the floor. He averaged 2.9 restricted area makes on 72%. As you guys know, that's what I hope for with big strong guards is at least 70% and at least two makes per game. This is his greatest strength here. 3.5 paint non-restricted area makes on 50%. So this is the rest of the painted area that's not the restricted area. You guys have always heard me talk about the difference. Like when we talk about three-level scoring, too often we talk about finishing at the rim, mid-range, and three-point shooting, but we don't talk enough about the short range. These are not your classic pull-up jumpers at 10 to 15 feet. These are not you getting all the way to the rim and finishing through contact or whatever. These are all the little push shots and hook shots and funky little, uh, like uh, like every, almost every one of these shots looks different than the last one, but all the little bank shots and floaters and short range things that you hit before you get to the rim. This is Luca's greatest strength because he's got such a big, strong body and almost every defender that he goes against is at a disadvantage advantage with strength. So he likes to methodically work you down into the lane, but rather than challenging the shot blocker, he'll keep you attached, bump you off of him and shoot something off the glass or short floater, hook, push, whatever the hell you want to call it inside of that like five, six, seven feet range. And that's what allows him to make 3.5 non-restricted area paint attempts per game at 50%, which is excellent efficiency there. It's the one of the most underrated skills in the game of basketball. Not enough players work on that specific skill, and it's one of the things that is a driving force behind Luka's uh, mid-range, <coughs> excuse me, Luka's offensive scoring success. So, Luka averaged 0.8 mid-range makes per game on 32%. That's not good, although he was better in the regular season. He was up at about, I believe, 37% with a, uh, about one and a half makes. He did attempt nine pull-up threes per game in this postseason run at 36%. That's pretty solid. In 2021, he attempted 10 pull-up threes per game in the playoffs and shot 43% on them. And then in the bubble, he took seven per game and made 35% of them. So he's a pretty deadly step-back pull-up 
three-point shooter. Obviously, that's the shot that we see him take most frequently. If you asked me what Luca's signature move is, I would say that it's him working the big on the switch, hard step back dribble. It doesn't really cover a ton of ground. It's just a really quick little dribble, and he'll take a short step to the back that allows him to get the separation he needs to shoot. You know, specifically with Luca, he's one of my favorite players for uh, young basketball players to watch and try to emulate in their skill development. People always were asking during the draft process when Luca was available in the draft, you know, is he athletic enough to be able to get separation against NBA defenders? And it flat out has not been an issue. Even though he's pretty slow-footed, he can beat just about any defensive wing in the league to get into the painted area. How does he do that? Well, he is the master of selling every single element of every single part of his move with every bit of his body. So if he's going to do, for instance, an in and out, cross between the legs, step back to the left, on the in and out, he's going to start by facing with his entire body to the right and sell it like he's going to the right. But then after that, when he does the through the legs dribble, he'll drop super low and take a hard step that makes you think he's driving to the basket. And then he'll pound back out of that into his step back. A lot of ball handlers and young basketball players will be able to do the moves. Like you'll be able to do a crossover dribble or in and out dribble or between the legs dribble, but you're just moving the basketball in those directions. You're not actually selling the moves with your eyes and with your body language, right? Uh, Kobe was also one of the best that I've ever seen at this specific skill, and that was what allowed him to age so gracefully in the league. But with Luca specifically, it, it just watch watch a highlight video of him beating people off the dribble, and you will see the methodical way that he sells his moves, and that allows him, even though he's going up against potentially a Paul George, who's a much more athletic wing. He's getting separation and getting him on his hip. And then, again, and this is where we talked a lot about strength when we were talking about Kawhi Leonard. You know, I told you guys, I gave you guys the example of a rip through on the wing. So if you catch the ball on the wing and you rip through, the dude, the defender's probably going to put his hands on you in some way, shape, or form, and it's probably not going to get called. And so then it becomes a strength battle. If the defender is stronger, he's probably going to hold you in your spot and contain you off the dribble. But if you're stronger, you're going to rip through all that contact and you're going to get all the way to the rim. That's kind of the way it works with Luca. His moves with the way he sells them might only buy him a little bit of space. But when it's not like Luca's crossing people over and they're falling off of the frame. That's not what's happening. He's not athletic enough for that. But he just gets these little cracks of space. And when he gets the little cracks of space, he shoots the gap with his big, strong frame and gets you attached to his hip. Then once you're attached to his hip, he can methodically work you into the lane and get into a short-range game like we talked about earlier. It's a very, very interesting basketball player to evaluate. And again, like I said, young basketball players out there who are looking for ways to refine your offensive skill set or looking for ways to become more effective with your dribble combinations, Luca's the guy to watch because he makes up for his lack of athleticism with an, an, an amazing attention to detail in his moves. A similar, uh, like a, a, a something you guys might pick up that are football fans out there, it'd be like being an outstanding route runner despite not being a great athlete, but getting open all the time because of how skilled, skilled you are running routes, selling every little fake and, and making it so that no one knows where you're going until you're already going in that direction. Obviously, Luca uh, is an advanced playmaker. You guys have heard me talk about this before, but like I only put four guys in the top tiers of playmakers in the league: LeBron, Luca, Nikola Jokic, and Chris Paul. <clears throat> 
there's a difference between like the basic reads that almost every primary ball handler in the league can make and advanced reads. Uh, basically, that involves manipulating the defense. So understanding the way that defensive rotations work and being patient to get the ball to the necessary spot to key help defenders to make the rotations they're going to make so that you can hit the openings. From there, it's about being on time and on target. A lot of passers, particularly bigs that struggle, so your Anthony Davises, your Embiid's, your you know Carl Anthony Townses and stuff, they'll have openings, and they might even see them, but they're too slow to make that read, and then the pass is not on time and on target. So by the time it actually gets to the shooter, the defense has already rotated and the opening is taken away. The advanced playmakers, they will manipulate you into a rotation they want you to make, and then the pass is on time and on target, hitting the shooter in the pocket so that he can make the shot before the defense can uh, can rotate. The other way I would describe it is like it's being reactive versus anticipatory, right? So if you are if you are reacting to an opening that you see, then you're kind of a standard level playmaker because you're doing something, you see an open man, you're like, oh shit, and then you throw him the ball, right? An anticipatory playmaker understands that defensive rotation before it happens. He knows if I get to this spot, this man will help. That allows you to see it coming before it happens, which allows you the leeway to make the pass on time and on target. You know, LeBron, these top-tier playmakers, your Chris Pauls, your LeBrons, your Jokic's, and your and your Lucas, they are relentless with their reads. And there's something very important there. You've We talked about this a lot with Jason Tatum. Catch him on the right night, he might be making the reads. You catch him on a different night, he's not making the reads. And even on his best night, he's going to miss a lot of reads because that's not his strength, right? Those top-tier guys, those four guys, and again, there's only four of them in the entire league, in my opinion. Everyone else is, is pretty, pretty significantly b- uh, behind them in all those little elements of passing that I was talking about. They never miss a read. Like, you'll be stunned. Like, you might two or three times a season watch LeBron miss a cutter, and you'll be like, whoa, LeBron missed a cutter. That was weird. And for every one time you see that, there'll be 30 or 40 times where you won't even see the cutter until the ball's in his hands and he's finishing at the rim, and you're like, whoa, LeBron saw something I didn't see there. See the difference there? That relentless playmaking is what causes teams to make to try to turn Luka and LeBron into scores. They're sitting there thinking, we can't offer help because if we do, he burns us every single time. That relentless playmaking is what allows guys like Luka and LeBron to operate on an island offensively. Because for the, the for the vast majority of coaches, the strategy they will attempt to implement is let's turn these guys into scorers because then maybe they'll fatigue. And what's made LeBron so dominant over the course of his career is he's so well conditioned and he's so versatile with his scoring package that even that burns you nine times out of ten with when you try to make LeBron a score. Now Luca shows some small signs of fatigue in his shot making as things go by, but even he does pretty well in that specific situation. Like we talked about earlier, Luca's assists dropped to six in this playoff run, and a huge part of that was teams like Golden State and many others staying home on shooters and trying to turn Luca into a score, and then he still went off for whatever it was, 32 points per game on, on 58% true shooting. But that, that relentless playmaking, it's the difference between the guys that make the reads sometimes and don't, or the guys that make the reads every single time, which causes defenses to be hesitant to offer help. 
Um, another strength, his size and strength to attack mismatches. We talked about this earlier. I'm a huge believer in mismatch attacking in the playoffs because most teams go to switching defenses. And so when you have bigger wings that have the ability to use their physicality to get closer to the rim, it's higher percentage mismatch attacking than guys who attack mismatches by taking off the dribble jump shots constantly and things along those lines. And the last but not least, his fearlessness. Obviously, you guys saw what he did to Phoenix in this in this playoff run. There's almost like a sociopathic behavior with Luca, where he doesn't just want to win; he wants to snatch your heart and utterly destroy you. Going 57 to 27 in the first half of Game Seven is an example of that. Luca wanted to suck any energy out of that arena. He wanted to suck the belief out of the team, and he understood that if he did so, they would fold, and that's what he did. And there were even some wins against the Clippers in the previous two playoff runs where he had a similar impact against them albeit uh, uh, not before they had an opportunity to actually win the series. The other One of my other favorite examples of this is the way he picks on stars. Now, it gets overplayed because what ends up happening is people go like, oh my gosh, look, he's picking on Giannis, or oh my gosh, he's picking on LeBron. But it's actually a really smart strategy that, en- that not enough players attempt to implement. Uh, guys like LeBron and Giannis are outstanding help defenders. Giannis is the best help defender in the league, obviously. So when you leave them in help side, even if you've got a good mismatch, if you're attacking that mismatch, that Giannis factor on the other side of the floor under or in the uh, kind of in the backline spot defensively can can dissuade you from getting to the spots that you want to get to. So one of the things that Luca does, which is again sociopathic but kind of genius is he'll call up Giannis or call up LeBron I'll give Giannis as an example because I saw this uh, I did a video on this but he'll call Giannis up to guard him knowing that he's not going to have an easy time scoring on Giannis but he can get him on his hip and he can work him into the lane and now that cross-court pass is with a lesser help defender And if he makes that cross-court pass, it'll hit the shooter in the shooter's pocket and he'll get a good look. Whereas if the roles were reversed, he'd get into that spot easier, but it's Giannis rotating on that pass to the corner and Giannis is an alien. So he will block that shot or dissuade the person from shooting. And the video that I did on this specific concept during the season, you saw that. I showed some pick and rolls where he was attacking other players and Giannis was erasing reads with his athleticism. And then he started attacking Giannis, making the same reads and getting open threes because the help defenders weren't capable of rotating out uh, soon enough. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, That grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It is an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. CJ will bring his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoops takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you feeling stressed and shedding? 
since having kids, have you started to see a little more of your scalp? Are you unhappy with your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play, and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted, whole-body approach. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement, with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, and faster-growing hair with less shedding. Physician-formulated with drug-free ingredients, Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting key root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and metabolism through whole-body health. Take their hair wellness quiz at Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific root causes. With Nutrafol, building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription, or doctor's visits required. Free shipping and automated deliveries ensure you'll never miss a day and you'll see results in three to six months. Take the first step to visibly thicker and healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code Hoops. That's H-O-O-P-S. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code Hoops, H-O-O-P-S. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code Hoops. All right, his weaknesses. He's very deliberate. Which could affect his rhythm. This is the different. Uh, excuse me. Could att- affect his teammates' rhythm. This is like, this is like that pound the air out of the basketball, slowly dribble it up the court, cross at sixteen seconds, s- get the mismatch you want by seven seconds, and then you work to the spot you want to get, and then maybe you throw a pass to a shooter with three seconds on the shot clock. Now there is a huge benefit to that in the sense that it also affects the rhythm of the other team. You know, when you strangle the pace of the game like that, it affects rhythm and flow. And when it when it affects that pace and flow of the game, it gets other teams out of the rhythm. So teams like Phoenix, for instance, that are running gun a little bit, right? Although Chris Paul can be methodical when he has the basketball, but the team in general actually likes to push the basketball a lot. When Lucas strangles the pace, it gets them out of their offensive rhythm. That's part of why Devin Booker didn't shoot as well as everybody hoped, or some of their role players didn't shoot as well as everybody hoped. There is a detrimental impact on the other team, but it also can have a detrimental impact on your team when you have players that go and stand in the corner, don't do anything for 22 seconds, and then suddenly the ball's in their hands and they need to shoot. It can affect their rhythm as well. He's not great in the mid-range right now, now, I think how good he is in the short range makes up for this, but this is an example of an area of improvement for him. He was 38% in the regular season, 32% in the postseason. Because he's not a great athlete, he's not taking your stereotypical pull-up jump shots where he's getting to a spot and elevating over the top of a defender. Think like a Devin Booker type of pull-up shot or a Bradley Beal type of pull-up shot. He's more getting you on his hip and taking post fades, like working you down to 10, 12 feet and then fading over both shoulders to, uh, uh, to you know, drifting away from the basket. Those are generally low percentage shots. I'd like to see him try to get a little bit more efficient there. And then the defensive end of the floor, he's literally bad at everything. He's one of the worst defensive players in the league right now. That's something that he's absolutely going to have to polish up. He can't contain on the perimeter in isolation situations. He's not good in help. You guys saw the, the Phoenix Suns relentlessly attack him in pick and roll. That's a huge area for opportunity. Conditioning. Obviously, Luca has been coming into camp each year at about 260 pounds and working his way back down to 230 by the end of the season. That's a huge part of something. That's a huge part of the uh, the the factors that are causing him to be uh, a, a bad defensive player. It 
could lead to injuries and things along those lines. And then also, like when we talk about shot making and teams making Luka a scorer, his stamina in that regard, his ability to hold up over seven games as a guy who has to do a lot of isolation scoring, that's another area where his conditioning um, uh, is a factor. And I'd like to see him eventually adopt the level of care for his body that the all-time great athletes in the NBA have because that will be the difference between him being a top five player like he already is and potentially being the best player in the league. Greatest hopes. So Luca, I think, is is fastly becoming one of my favorite players. Uh, like I talked earlier, I his the, the 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 specific attention to detail with his dribble combinations and the way that he gets to his spot. I think his spots. I think it's such a good a model for uh, for young basketball players to to follow. And so he he's just has. And then it, obviously the sociopath behavior, the insanity with which he attacks winning basketball games that is always going to be a thing that that draws me to him um but i think there's a version of this story with luca where he could be a mount rushmore type of player he's kind of like an evolutionary lebron on offense he'll never be lebron on the defensive end of the floor that goes without saying he just simply does not have the physical tools however if you remember lebron at his absolute peak it was this relentless, conditioned, like limitless source of energy, physical offensive onslaught. There was not a player on the floor that could guard him in one-on-one situations, and you were perpetually stuck in the pick-your-poison type of situation. You're either leaving LeBron on an island, in which case he's going to score 35 points a game in the playoffs and do it efficiently, or you're going to help off of him, and he's going to pick you apart finding shooters and average 12-13 assists per game. That was the, the the onslaught of LeBron. And it came with this great level of efficiency because he wasn't doing it with your Kevin Durant tough shot profile, your Kyrie Irving tough shot profile. He was doing it by getting to the basket at will. And then even the jump shots that he was taking, players were playing off of him because of his physical onslaught. So most of his jump shots are straight up and down, balanced in rhythm jump shots. So there's a great deal of efficiency that came with LeBron's onslaught. The, the, uh, the, way, the best way that I would describe it is it's surgical half-court precision. He sees this defense in front of him, an elite playoff-level defense. That playoff-level defense has a game plan, whether that's taking away the shooters and letting LeBron score or sending the kitchen sink at LeBron and turning him into a passer. Regardless of what which one of those strategies the team adopts or all the intricate details of it, specific pick-and-roll coverages, where the help is coming from on the floor, which players they're helping off off of, so on and so forth. Regardless of what that is, LeBron's going to figure it out and surgically dissect it. Luka has that potential. couple of specific things. Conditioning, getting to the point where he can do that over the course of four playoff rounds, right? getting more efficient with his shot making. He's not close to the level of efficiency that LeBron was at his peak in the playoffs. If he could figure those specific things out, he's capable of reaching that goal. We call this greatest hopes. This is a realistic hope. He can get there. But in o- the only way he's going to actually get there, though, is if he can do those things and become a serviceable defensive player. Like I said earlier, he does nothing well on the defensive end right now. It's a, it's a legitimate problem. But he's got good size. So in theory, you guys who are listening, you probably guess what I'm going to say here. What kind of defensive player can he be? He can be a good positional defender. 
if he learns the appropriate amount of ground to give, knowing that he doesn't have the foot speed, but he has the size to contest shots, he will get better at dribble contain. Teams will be able to shoot over the top of him off the dribble because he'll have to give ground, but he'll at least be able to contain ball handlers a little better if he gives ground and becomes a better positional defender. Help defense is all about understanding your scheme and just knowing where to be. Knowing when to help, knowing when not to help. Knowing where you're supposed to go if the defense gets into rotation. Those are little things that he can pick up just, just, by, giving it, just by giving a shit. Just by putting in the, the requisite effort. But if he can become a serviceable defensive player, and if he can become more efficient with his scoring, and obviously the conditioning that it would require to do both of those things, he has the ability to become an evolutionary LeBron on offense. I said this uh, yesterday on Twitter, and I believe it. I think LeBron, him and Steph, are the two greatest offensive engines of all time. So if Luka can enter that conversation, that automatically puts him in, in a position where he can be a type of player that ends up on the Mount Rushmore basketball players at the end of the day. Um, greatest fears. So the player that Luka is most frequently compared to is James Harden. Now, there's some truth to that in the sense that Harden and Luka kind of represent the caricature of heliocentric basketball. Like, there are a lot of heliocentric players out there. Like, LeBron can be heliocentric, right? Like, Dame's heliocentric, John Morant's heliocentric. A lot of heliocentric players. It's kind of just the style, and honestly, it's the best way to go these days with how spaced out the floor is. But Harden and Luka kind of take that to an extreme particularly with how long they will dribble the basketball. Both Harden and, and Luka will take sometimes 20 dribbles on a possession to get to the spot that they want to get to. That obviously, like we talked about earlier, can affect rhythm and things along those lines. But there are some uh, some key differences between the two. Harden does not have versatility in offensive approach. He pretty much starts from the same spot on the floor every single time, either the left wing or the right wing. Goes with a live dribble. He's either going to go isolation or pick and roll, but everything's off the dribble. If he can get to a three-point shot, he's going to take it. And if you play up on him, he's going to try to go all the way to the rim. And then obviously he will make reads out of that. He does not have the methodical nature of Luka to work to different spots on the floor that are closer, excuse me, closer to the rim. This is what allows Luka's efficiency to go up in the playoffs while James Harden's efficiency historically goes down in the playoffs. When you rely strictly on step-back threes and finishing at the rim and the defense is shut down the rim and now guys are pressing up on your step-back three, your efficiency will tank. It's also just really difficult to make step-back threes as your sole offensive you know, uh, go-to move. You're just going to be inefficient in that sense. James Harden has a massive decline in his step back jump shooting from the regular season to the postseason. When Luka's getting to the short range, and like we said earlier, attempting seven shots per game in the paint outside of the restricted area, he can make 50% of those because he's big and strong and he's getting to spots on the floor where he feels comfortable. Now, one of the things that's been interesting with James Harden is some of you guys have noticed in some of the pickup game footage that's been floating around this summer, you can tell James Harden is making a concerted effort to try to work out of the post more, high post, like 15 feet away from the basket, and then primarily as a face-up player, he's not really turning his back to the basket more, but I'm excited to see that. That shows that James Harden is at least trying to add some of that versatility that Luka has. We'll see if he ever actually gets to the point where he can use it in NBA games. And by the way, guys, that's the pathway. If you want to add something to your game, there's a three-step pathway. Figure out how to do it by yourself. Like if you want to add a post-up fadeaway to your game, figure out how to do it by yourself in the gym to the point where you feel like you can make it consistently. Then start testing it against defenders and practice situations if you're a college player, if you're just a kid playing for fun, see if you can do it in pickup games. 
then when it becomes the uh, when it gets to a point where you can comfortably do it in pickup games, that's when you can start implementing it in actual game situations if you're playing in college or something along those lines. There's kind of a pathway to doing that, and it's good to see Harden trying to work along those path that path. But that specific offensive versatility is the key difference between James Harden and Luka Doncic. But where the Harden ball is a legitimate fear for Luka is his physical conditioning, not taking care of his body, and what he does on the defensive end of the floor. Here we are near the, not near the end, but over a decade into James Harden's career, and he has never figured out the defensive end of the floor. His best season was in 2018, and he was okay. Like that, that, that never was something that he, he figured out. And here we are at age 32, and he's coming off back-to-back seasons where his physical health has been declining as a result of him not taking care of his body. So that's going to be another opportunity for Luka to separate himself from the Harden comp. If he can figure out the defensive end of the floor and figure out how to take care of his body. But right now, that is a legitimate fear for Luka with his potential trajectory. And the difference between him being a top five player of all time and something way worse than that is that specific crossroad. And then lastly, his conditioning could lead to injury problems if he's not comfortable, if he's not careful. You know, obviously, when you're carrying an extra 30 pounds and you're making the same moves that you make when you weigh 230 instead of 260, all it takes is a wrong step and it could be a torn ACL or Achilles or something along those lines. Knock on wood, you don't want to see anything like that. But conditioning, keeping yourself in supreme physical condition is the best way to avoid injuries. The biggest what if of Luca's career. Do you guys remember when Giannis was kind of on the fence uh, in Milwaukee. He had a bunch of weird quotes talking about how like how he liked it in Milwaukee, but he might, you know, like it somewhere else too one day. And there was some noise about a potential partnership between Luka Doncic and Giannis in Dallas. Should he ever decide to leave Milwaukee? As a matter of fact, that was kind of where all the noise was pointing at the time. And then Giannis ended up re-upping with Milwaukee. Ended up being a great decision. He ended up winning an NBA championship shortly after. But we should all be thanking our lucky stars that Giannis did not end up in Dallas alongside Luka. Because if he did, they would have won all the basketball games. I talk a lot on this show about complementary skill sets. You know, when we look at star partnerships, we don't factor in enough the way that they can cover for each other's strengths and weaknesses. Like I talk about all the time, a basketball team has a bunch of responsibilities that have to be fulfilled by the five-man unit. You know, there is play finishing. A lot of times that's a three-level scorer or a big man who can finish around the rim and shoot a little bit, like a Carl Towns or an Anthony Davis, right? And then you need, you know, guys that are great at getting guys into spots, playmakers, game managers, things along those lines, role players who can attack closeouts, right? And, and, and then obviously all the defensive responsibilities on the floor. Well, what's Luca's greatest weakness? His inability to impact the game with his physical tools on the defensive end of the floor. Giannis is the best defensive player in all of basketball. Also, Luca Giannis in, in recent years has been more active as a ball handler, but he's had a ton of success as the screener in ball screen actions lately. Can you imagine Giannis running ball screens with Luca and what he could do off of the attention that Luca garners there and with his ability to pass the basketball? Then we go look over at Giannis. What's Giannis's specific weakness? Half-court surgery. The ability to decipher top-tier playoff defenses in the half-court, particularly as a shot maker. I was actually very impressed by Giannis's passing ability in this playoff run. 
Giannis is obviously ahead in this list, and we will get into that uh, when we get to him. But his specific weakness is the ability to consistently knock down shots over the top of defenses that pack the paint on him. Chris Middleton kind of helps him in that regard, but that's Luke, That's arguably Luca's greatest skill. So the two of them complement each other so well that that would have just been a disaster for the rest of the league, Luca and Giannis playing together. So again, we should be thankful that Giannis ended up re-upping with Milwaukee. But a very interesting what-if in the early phases of Luka Doncic's career is what would have happened had Giannis ended up in Dallas. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.